0: Well, hello and welcome to Inside Jobs, the podcast featuring in-house agency leaders sharing who they are, where they've been and what they're up to next, hopefully. Inside Jobs is brought to you by iHaf, also known as the in-house agency forum, and by Express KCS, the content production partner to corporate creative teams. Now, our next guest, JR Curley, I have actually known for quite a long time. He used to work for a long standing client of ours. And then I think, uh, JR, you were the LA outpost, or at least that's what it seemed like. But now, uh, central to his employer's business, uh, you are Vice President of Creative and Content at FabFitFun. A very warm welcome, JR.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure and honour to be here as well. Uh, very excited to chat with you.
0: So, um, what we're going to do is we we want to hear about your background. But before we start and d- dive into that, I mentioned that you're at FabFitFun and you've got this very important sounding title. But but put a bit of color onto that. What is it you actually do? And then we'll fill into that a little bit more later on. But uh, we'll just give a give a sense of of what you're up to.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's interesting because titles are titles, right? So I think uh, as yeah. as currently, I'm the VP of. Creative and content, but interestingly enough, internally we actually call it brand marketing. And from our point of view, that is a, a co- collaboration between our creative and content team as well as some of our organic social and talent partnership individuals. And we're really responsible for most of the brand touch points we have with our members and prospective members as well. We really dive into the seasonal themes that comes with our company to campaigns we build out and do both internally and externally, and almost all the visual elements that any member or anyone who's not a member would see, whether it be an advertisement on television, a social media post, some of the writing content that you see, uh, all the way to our box design itself, because it's a part of our membership as you receive this really beautiful box. We really touch upon almost everything, and it's, it's a wonderful team to be a part of. I may be the leader of it, uh, but in all reality, the team itself is so fantastic. It's just a, it's a joy to work with them.
0: You're nearly talking yourself out of a job, there, Jr. You know that you've got to be careful. But uh, you didn't start out in the in the beauty and fashion world, uh, did you? did you? So much as it'll be hard for anyone to believe that. But take us way back. Where are you where are you from originally, and what kind of environment did you grow up in?
1: Uh, you know, I grew up in a very eclectic and interesting environment that. Often when I, when I tell, a lot of people are, are just kind of raising an eyebrow, but it is the truth. Oddly enough, I grew up, most of my, my childhood was overseas, um, oh. really across multiple countries and across several continents, which, which actually I think really helped lead into this design space, this creative thinking space. So I spent a lot of time in countries like Ivory Coast, Gabon, Australia, Germany, Nigeria, Somalia there there's more and more but what was it now really you p- just
0: weren't a free traveling child I presume that there was uh, there was some parental uh, oversight with this. there was
1: the, absolutely my father happened to work for the government uh, underscore that and so with that we can we, <laughs> okay. yeah, we typically move should we
0: not delve too much into that then?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think we're okay. Um, <laughs> okay he's happily retired now uh but yeah we we tended to move I'm thinking Robert De Niro now in, Robert, uh, in, uh, <laughs> Robert De Niro <laughs> um yeah man of mystery uh is my father meet the fuckers is
0: what i was thinking of, yeah. <laughs> that's right i don't he doesn't role? have an he let yet. on about his job
1: <laughs> that's right that's right um yes i remember that that's a classic movie uh it,
0: anyway sorry go on yeah uh
1: well with with that moving i think what was really interesting and you don't realize this as a child i think you absorb things naturally they just come to you especially if, if your parents are you to have that open view which is wonderful So every two years to four years, we would move to a different country. And with that came literally an entire plethora of sights, sounds, colors, textures, culture. And as a child, I just absorbed that. And so as I got later in my high school, I realized I'd always been into art, so traditional art of drawing, painting. And at the same time, I joyously was also a nerd and loved computer games and computers. And as I was graduating from high school, actually in Germany, um, I realized, wait a minute, there's an actual career here and it's called graphic design that I was aware of. Um, And what a great way to leverage all the stuff I've kind of absorbed throughout my life, but also be able to sit on a computer and do things that are really fun computer-wise. And so that's kind of how I got to where I am now, at least in this field was really through that childhood and all of those experiences of being able to see and, ex- and, and see and really engage with these different types of things across across the globe.
0: I mean, that's hugely stimulating. Can you recall any particular incidents when you were in any of these countries that uh, really kind of sticks in your mind?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I was very young. I lived in Libreville, Gabon. Um, and if you look it up, it's, it's uh, right on the equator um in the beautiful continent of africa and my father took took us to a really wonderful local dance there was some a new change in the local government and they had several local dancers out and we're talking hundreds of individuals and amazingly Mm -hmm. enough i think we actually have eight millimeter film of it because my father was also a nerd and had purchased these new (laughs) fandangled uh, video recorders yes they're probably the size of my car but regardless um I vividly recall the lines of dancers, and they were representing uh, where they came from. So it was always a different pattern and color swatches on their patterns, these incredible dresses. And I vividly recall the vibration as these different groups were dancing different dances, traditional to where they came from. Um, So I think that's probably the first visual recollection I have of just realizing that color, movement, and textures could really make something special.
0: What an experience. What uh, I'd say I, I, that's incredible. So when you decided that, uh, or when your parents decided, whoever decided that you actually needed to go to university, uh, you went to Connecticut. Is that right?
1: That is correct. So because I graduated in high school in Germany, it was a very different approach than I think the traditional US method of going to universities. On top of that, many of the schools I went to were very small. So I took correspondence courses at some times where I took school from home. Some of the schools we went to were, were, I think I had eight people in one of my classes. So it was a very different approach. And with that, I really wanted to find a school that resonated with me, but also supported the program and arts that I went into. Hmm. And so hmm. wound up in Connecticut at University of Connecticut. And with that, stumbled across several of my several friends who were, of course, similar fields, because we're all in the same Uh, We're all going and focusing in the same areas of the arts. Um, But what was really interesting is I began to see that there was much more than what I had taken in. So I had a very linear view of what graphic design was and what design and art was. Um, And I'll recall one of my classmates received a job at a snowboarding company. And I I really was into snowboarding at that time. And I remember hearing him come back and tell us this internship of creating layouts and board designs. And I thought to myself, wow. In the fact that you can do these things and just have other people see what you've worked on and be really excited about it and believe in it it was really really powerful and I remember that was a big switch for me and I thought to myself <laughs> when I'm done with school and when I move on I really need to find a place that resonates with me Then as with many people, real life happened And when I got out of school, I actually moved to Boston It was very close to University of Connecticut and close to Connecticut clearly borders estate. state, um, and I thought to myself, this is great, tons of wonderful places to work at, many places looking for experience, and a very deep portfolio with experience, and so that's when I realized I needed to have a different approach, and perhaps I wouldn't be able to, in my mind's eye, be in a really amazing agency right away on a scooter. So
0: you are a little idealistic, little naive. A little, yes, yes, <laughs>
1: um, which is how I got into Coopers. Uh, which okay. is, is probably as far away as most people can think of of design, um, but that's how that transition transpired. Is I realized I needed to find more experience in the office environment or a professional environment, and began to do a host of temp jobs while I did other work just to make ends meet. And as I did these temp jobs, I stumbled across an old company that doesn't exist now; it's been merged, which is Cooper's and Lye Brand. and vividly recall walking into that space. I was supposed to be here to help cover an employee. I don't recall exactly the specifics, but I heard someone say, oh, we're going to take this print magazine to the design team. And I raised my hand. I will take that over. I want to meet this design team because I couldn't fathom that a company like Cooper's and Librand, professional services company, a massive global company at the time, um, would have designers in it. How would you design in this space and we're going back a little bit robert so everyone stole our suits monday through friday right Yes. and i was so transfixed with this brand new world that literally opened to me which was in-house design because i never thought of it i I think i simply always thought of agencies was the only place to go yeah of course yeah Yeah. Yeah. and so i think that that's what really began my path down this in-house agency or in-house design team um path
0: so you start but you started as sort of temping then and and doing projects and freelance and uh, and and kind of got absorbed that way
1: a hundred percent and I'll and I'll reality what I'll say is I know many people do freelance and and do temp work Um, I would say it was a really wonderful formative time of my career because it allowed me to experience in a very short period of time multiple personalities, multiple leadership styles, multiple team member styles, different office cultures and approaches. Um, in a very short period of time, I got to experience multiple places, everything from law firms to restaurant style. It was very different. And when I stumbled upon this design team at Cooper's and Librand, now Cooper's, that's when I realized a couple of things. One is large companies have a, a very robust in-house team. Second, their approach is a little bit different. The teaming is very different, and the competition And, and is... how would
0: you characterize that difference?
1: Uh, you know, it's a good question. So with my experience, I've noticed that in the in-house space, you're really working, not that you aren't an agency, but you're really working in a very collaborative menu, method with your internal clients, because your internal clients and you are, you are part of the same company. Um, Just a different cultural approach than when you work as an agency or as yourself, as a freelancer, or you run your own design business. When that happens, it truly is a client. Um, And I think with the in-house agency, really what you begin to learn is you just begin to have deep institutional knowledge of the company you're working in. You understand the business at a level that at times can be much deeper than a client who's come and sitting with you. Enjoying with that is as an internal in-house agency, and I know some, some some in-house agencies do struggle with this, but in my experience, and perhaps I was really lucky, a lot of the agencies I worked at, brand and design was a core element of that company's values. And so there was a really interesting level of respect and curiosity from individuals who were not in the design field. So a lot of sitting down with you and working it out with you in helping educate you to make sure you make better design decisions versus typically where in agency models or my freelance experience, a client is really looking for you to find the 100% of the solution. Um, not to say it's less collaborative, but you're not necessarily working with someone for a year to understanding exactly what that business yeah. is. Uh, and so I think those yeah, are There's the a lot
0: to be said for sharing, the, you know, uh, as it were, sharing a pay packet, knowing you, that you're both being paid by the same people. Does change attitudes and does make things more collaborative as a rule.
1: It does. It does. And I think, you know, I've worked in a couple of different environments. I'm I'm sure listeners have also worked in different environments where it's either a pay model or not a pay model internally. In my experience initially was not. So with that, in that I'd say very relaxed amount of timing or work on a project. And also with some of these in-house teams being very large, timing was just a little bit different. The way you approach things was a little bit different in terms of your ability to dig in and do some voice of the member feedback and other stuff that we put into your design experiences. And so with that, I think I fell in love with the in-house approach. Uh, And that's now, of course, how I've been, my career progressed in that space, a little bit different uh, where I currently am because it's not truly an agency model. Yet at the same time, it is still this deeply embedded structure where design and creative and to your point, the leaders of the company are in true synergy and they really are looking for the same thing.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's worth mentioning at this point that PwC won the agency, the IH Agency of the Year Award last year. 2021, which was an outstanding achievement for any in-house agency, but uh, it may have come as a surprise to many people outside the the world of of finance that uh, such a company would be so creative and would have such creative uh, roots. And clearly, you you were part of that, and you were working on the West Coast for them by the end. Is that right?
1: Yes, I, I was. And I, so, first of all, I'd say absolute congratulations to PwC and well mm. deserved. Mm. That, and Jack
0: Tuba. let's uh, let's name check Jack there. <laughs>
1: well, well deserved. And really, in all reality, that team uh, is such a powerhouse in creative thought process, as well as what I mentioned earlier—a really deep skill set knowledge in the business itself. PwC and other agencies like or other companies like this also they do have clients and so they are working with their clients on these. There's just so much interest to make sure that the collaborative output is aligned. That it's I think it really benefits the team as an in-house designer, especially for some of these larger companies. um, Much of the work that those companies do and the designers do and we did in those spaces were confidential or unshareable outside. And it was always a bit of a challenge as a designer to go to these wonderful, lovely AIJ conferences and other conferences and realize that we couldn't necessarily share the work we were doing, or at least not in the same way. And I remember vividly thinking about I have from when I first connected with them, realizing this is another channel and it's such a beautiful channel that really allows agencies, in-house agencies such as PwC and, and other companies, uh, a really excellent output place to discuss amongst peers
0: but you did move on um in 2014 you decided to to move on from pwc where where did you go and and why did you go there
1: oh yeah great question so pwc i think like any large company the constant uh, i always used to joke their constant is change and so we were constantly changing and shifting the team to better match the needs of the company and to match mm-hmm. the needs of our clients. And we had one last reorg that I was a part of and in that the approach was a little bit different. And we had some options because again, this is a beautiful thing about these giant companies. They give you options. Um, and one option they provided to us was really a lovely one that I realized would allow me to take a step away from that space um, and start my own business in a, in a in a risk free risk sorry risk free uh, circumstance. And with that, I realized you know what I've always dreamed about running my own small agency. I want to give this a shot and see what happens. Let's experience the joy of doing this on my own. Um, and that's what I did. So I left PwC and began formed a company called Panagram uh, and worked there for several years, a creative collaborative, collaborative company with several designers and other individuals who helped with that. Um, the co-founder of that also was kind of a ghost co-founder who helped out as well, quietly to the side. Uh, and it was an absolute an absolute adventure to move from A giant global corporation with a massive crew of designers (laughs) to a very small uh, four or five person team and begin to experience what it felt like to really drive your own, I suppose, drive your own future and have that authority and control over the path you're going to take yeah. and so yeah so so that, that's what we I'm,
0: did I'm, I'm curious then you, you you came out of college with design on your mind and we didn't talk about whether you were you know a very creative child or as you know always drawing or whether you had particular interests in the arts but Nevertheless, I presume there was something there. You were a designer. By the time you finished at PwC, did you still think of yourself as a designer? And is that why Panagram happened? Because you were just, or did you feel that you also had a, a business sense, an operational and business sense to go with that by that time?
1: It, it is both. It, it, there was still the sense of design and creativity, being able to ideate out of the, out of the box, However, with that came, and this is the wonderful thing about working at a large company like PwC, came all of the business knowledge and information that traditionally you would receive at a business company. And, and one thing that was really wonderful, I think many companies are like this that are very large, so many learning experiences and opportunities that you might not get at other smaller companies. Everything from understanding the business itself at a global scale and what that means uh, to providing educational opportunities that are, are quite costly, like Six Sigma training and the like. W- what was really great is over time of working at PwC, I felt I had enough grasp of the business space and business world to run a business autonomously. And I still had the creative experience and urgency and want to try to find solutions for clients out there, because that's really what PwC and, and later in my life, I went to BCG as well. You're finding solutions for your clients, external or internal. You're helping them uh, achieve something, and so that really, that combination was really stellar and wonderful. And I think that that's one of the one of the hidden. The hidden pros of working in these larger companies, they may look large and mountainous from the outside, but when you get inside, they are much like many small companies. They are simply an amalgamation of many, many, many small teams who are trying to work together seamlessly. And with that comes just such a breadth of learning and knowledge, hypothetically in an odd way, much like when I grew up as a child. Every two to four years, I would move to a new country and I would learn and experience new things. Um, my time at pwc was very similar every two to four years we would have a shift in the organization or a shift in the approach or a shift in the structure or i'd have a new role you
0: you were there for the rebranding were you because they did a major rebranding
1: uh yes yes and so i think with that comes all this experience and so yes so when i when i made Panagram. At the time, I realized I do want to sit now. I want to sit in person with these clients and solve these big challenges. On the flip side, I also want to have designers experience what I experienced when I was coming up and learning how to work with clients and learning what, how to design and come across these things. And last but not least, Price Coopers, these big companies must sell. So I thought, you know what? I've also learned how to sell and be around individuals who sell and close deals. So I think that this is going to work and let's give this a shot and give it a try and see what happens. And so. Went on a two-year journey of experiencing that. It was a lot of fun. It was painful. It was joyful. It was everything in the middle.
0: So you mentioned Boston as well there. After Panagram, you spent a couple of years there. Boston Consulting, that is.
1: I did. I did. So I was at Panagram and a, a... it sounds like the joke of the movies, but realistically, I stumbled across an opportunity at at Boston Consulting Group that was it just felt perfect. It was the concept was really coming in and reinventing the entire North American uh, creative organization and building it. And up. They
0: they they wanted your experience of PwC as well as your kind of uh, smaller experience at Panagram, I guess, so a good combination at that point.
1: Yes, yes, and it's it's interesting because as we walk through this career progression you're hearing is almost building blocks as I, as I learned, I think this (laughs) is just for any, anyone really, as you learn different things, just the end package opens up more opportunities for you. And
0: you may not know what they are in advance, but when you get there, it makes sense, (laughs) right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I vividly remember uh, when I sat down at, at BCG and was outlined with what that company had thought was the right approach, um, this was what was great because I took that business experience and realized what could work from a business perspective. But from a creative perspective, I also understood and worked in in house agencies and had my own for a while. I realized there was a different way we could do this that would be successful down the long run. And a lot of companies, you brought up process and approvals. It's true that they are there. However, if you have the right leader and the right approach to the company those processes and systems really should be supporting you they, they shouldn't be in your way and i think that that it, clearly the individual you spoke to most likely it th- sounds like those unfortunately maybe are getting in the way but bcg was a bit magical where my boss incredible incredible woman who led our our um our ceo of the company she's absolutely incredible i learned so much from her um she really had a lot of faith in my vision and activities and so the traditional rules you would have or you would believe would happen in many companies um, were not there they were simply there to make sure that we went the right path and bcg itself is an excellent company i can't say enough about them but what was really magical about that was it's an idea company and they want to hear those ideas because they are consultants and want to solve and so when we went into that space That experience of the business side, as I mentioned before, and the creative side that completely dovetailed in to allow us to move forward and build out a brand new design organization in North America that was then replicated uh, with some modifications across the globe um, in Europe and in Asia pack in India. And so
0: So, I'm really, I'm really curious when you were doing this after your experience, with PwC, and, and then with a smaller agency, how confident did you feel there? Was there, was there any imposter syndrome? Or was it really? Yep, I know what to do here. It's as clear as day. <laughs>
1: um, you know, it's, a, that's an awesome question. I don't think uh, this is me, I'm speaking personally, I think the imposter syndrome is always going to be somewhere in every element of your life, even when you make tea in the morning, you wonder if you're the right person to make your own tea, because <laughs> there's probably a better way to do it, and someone knows way more about the tea leaves in that tea bag than you do. That's that is life. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go backwards a long time ago, and I remember. And I'm gonna get this wrong, but I recall. I think it was the Mars, the first Mars lander. I recall when it landed, the gentleman, I don't remember his name, who led the entire Mars team was in the room, and he, he gave a speech. And I remember he said something along the lines of, and this is going to be terrible, but along the lines of saying that he never could or wanted to be the smartest person in the room. He had to surround himself by others, and that's where the confidence comes from. And it was very similar there. I've never felt that I'm the best designer. I've never felt I'm the best business person. I've never felt the strongest conviction in, in those two areas. However, when surrounded with the right people, the imposter syndrome, from my point of view, it literally blows away like a cloud in the sunny wind. It just it's gone. One of the best, most positive, I would say, supportive cultures I've ever experienced in a large company, they did a fantastic job at that.
0: Well, clearly uh because <laughs> you you've been doing sort of B2B, high level finance related or consulting related. Some would regard relatively dry, you know, in terms of the the industries in which you were operating, although I'm sure very creative within that. So I'm really curious to know about the switch that you made after BCG and how the hell that came about. And also, let's let's dig back into imposter syndrome again, because I'm really curious. You've been there a while now, so you're safe. You can say what you like, but do tell us what happened next.
1: I would say with that, at, at PwC and BCG, I was able to also experience not just the drive, but also really stellar, incredible, fun, huge, wonderful companies, smaller companies, um, all locked under delicious NDA. So I can't say who they were, but they were all fantastic. (laughs) I I remember one of the designers at BCG jokingly drew a self-portrait on one of our walls with him with sunglasses and a fedora and a trench coat and said, we're the secret agents of the designers (laughs) Um, because we really are. It's really incredible to work on something and see a brand roll it out three years later and think I worked on that but no one will ever know yeah, um, yeah. so so BCG with that with BCG everything was um, was very different and it really provided more experience in different spaces including a bit of the beauty and fashion world now at at Fat Fun, again very to your point very different approach so now my experience has been huge company my own company very big company and all of a sudden, there's something close to home, close to here. Um, individuals I'd worked at before, and other companies were also at this at Fund, and FabFitFun Fund was it was and still is on this kind of explosive growth path. And with that, again came this opportunity to take a look at how we could amplify that internal creative team and make some big shifts. And I think that I'm realizing, and have realized over time. I love being in a space, being able to help these giant shifts that not only positively impact the company, but also positively impacted the employees and the team members, because without that, you're in a very difficult place. And I was speaking to a friend of mine who worked at the company, hearing more and more about it. And I thought to myself, this just feels like a really incredible opportunity. Um, begin to chat with them and out of the blue, uh, as you are now aware, um, I was at Vatfut Fun in a very, very different world, which I believe is a really interesting cross pollination of what I would say an agency experience and feel, but yeah. is also in that in-house transition space. So not quite this big level as PwC and BCG, um, but on that path. Of growth and that was what i found fascinating and also you know what it's really interesting to try things that are a little bit different and always continue to educate yourself and experience more and more out there it's just a path that i have always been drawn to and i realized there was so much opportunity at fabfitfun so it really sucked me and also great the, talking to the people there they were so fired up and interested and really believe in the company it's uh that can be very infectious in a good way
0: so FabFitFun. fit fun. there you are. What's the first hundred days like? It's a fast-growing company. Uh, what, what did they have when you got there and uh, And how did you kind of manage that uh, transition of yourself into that business after the experience you'd had there?:
1: Lots and lots of listening and learning literally. Um, this was a company when I came into I realized two things. One is this is a different space, and I need to understand it more deeply. So that was the first piece. The second part was I need to talk to everyone who's been here uh, and understand what that growth has been for them. And,
0: and was it a big department at that point?
1: Uh, the design team is a fairly good sized department there. Yes. It, you know, it's all relative, right? But I think that the experience I've had design teams have ranged from my own, which was the smallest, you know, four or five in, in the you know low hundreds to 50 or so. Fairly large design teams for in-house groups, and because FAFIT Fund is a, has a full production arm of designers and photographers and videographers and the like, that team was a fairly good size. Um, I, and I don't know, if I remember the numbers around the fifties or so. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I with it, literally, like I said, was just a lot of me sitting down and learning so I can understand what the problems are versus being told what the problems are. I really want to absorb what we can solve together as a team. Uh, you know, my approach is not to. Join a company and say, "Here's the way we're going to do it." It's to figure out what's happening, how can we team together as a group, and how can we solve together. That, from my point of view, is always the best way to engage and to find mm. well, the let, right let's,
0: solution. Let's dig into that with some specifics. I mean, what were the early challenges that you you had to tackle, and and, and tell us a little about how you approach those?
1: Uh, you know, I think I, it was in, the the approaches I had to tackle are ones I believe we see at almost every company. Uh, they are the most mundane ones: process. <laughs> communication, um, and structure. And those are the three biggest challenges that we had. And and interestingly enough, I would say those are the three challenges we had at everywhere I've worked at. Uh, Really understanding and streamlining your processes, making sure that things work the way they should. And process to me isn't just we submit a request and someone does it. It's also the engagement and when information comes in and who talks to who and all that good stuff. Communication is always, I think, a challenge no matter where I've been, making sure the right teams are communicating with each other. Often or not, um, I feel the design teams and creative teams in-house, other groups aren't quite sure when to talk to you or even what to tell you. And that, I believe, is a proactive ask that most in-house agencies and design teams should take is they can go out and ask those questions themselves to help educate them. So that was a big 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 piece of it
0: and you applied lessons you'd learned uh from pcg pwc along the way and you implemented some of these processes did you or or was it a matter of taking and fine-tuning the ones you had it was that they already had i mean it
1: was a mixture of both and i think this comes from the business experience where a lot of us who have worked in a business space you begin to kind of fall back into some of the i would say the the linchpins of what is business so using some of those methodologies whether it be doing deep dive races, whether it being doing true SWAN analysis, um, whatever. And this is
0: a professionalization that, that they needed? They hadn't up to that point had? Oh. And um, is professionalization the right word, really?
1: Uh, no, that's a, a good question. I think, and this is just my approach, every agency should constantly be checking this information and trying to revisit their processes and revisit the way they communicate it should be repeated growth that should be baked into that agency or that in-house team's DNA. Um, you had mentioned earlier, I think you'd say something about kind of stale approach or whatever it might be, but I think from a design space to be comfortable is dangerous. And they already had many, many things going in the right direction. Um, like I said, growth there is really wonderful. The team was fantastic that doesn't mean you can't always fine-tune. So a lot of it was mm-hmm. fine-tuning, and sometimes that fine-tuning can give you so much, um, and it depends on the space. You know, generically, you probably follow Formula One, you can fine-tune something by a millimeter, and that can win a race. Big difference. And it's similar, I think, in the design field, in agency fields, where these little tiny things that might seem small, they add up over time, not just in... A process to reduce time and give a designer back time but also from a morale perspective and just an overall teaming and engagement perspective so they had some really great processes in place already when i came in i really sat down and started to do the deep dive that they hadn't had the chance to do yet simply because that hadn't been the focus at the time um and also
0: well growth growth tends to uh consume all really doesn't it in terms of attention and uh, and and you're, you're you're looking at trees and can't see the wood it's That's a great problem to against. have very great oh, yes. problems
1: to have. Um, I remember working with a client when I was at Pentagram, and I remember sitting with uh, this client in their space with the the C-suite and the controller. And one of them said, the struggles we're having is that we're so busy and we're growing so fast, we don't look out the window. We look down at our desk, and we need to start looking out the window. What is next? How?" And I think that this is very common, especially in the design field, in in-house design teams. Um, we, we are so focused making sure that day-to-day is done and the campaign or the creative piece we're working on is perfect. It can be difficult to look forward and say, well, where, where are we going to be as a team in one year or where are we going to be in three years? Um, all these sorts of challenges are things that I began to ask these questions and help the team start to figure out what does this look like? How can we forecast how technology will impact us in a year or in three years? How can we forecast how we think the design system should be shifting or changing in a year, or three years. Um, so
0: you're not reacting; you're you're actually setting the the agenda there. And how, how big how big a department is it now? How big is the in-house agency at uh, FabFitFun?
1: Uh, you know, it's about the same. So we're still in the forties for the overarching team. Sorry, forty low forties, uh, mid mid forties. Yeah.
0: And do you have people whose sole job it is to look at process? Uh, I mean, how does that happen in reality now? Is that your job for you? Or or do you have people who do that? Or is it something that's ongoing? Or do you you periodically come to it?
1: It is ongoing. So we make sure that we baked in process into, again, I say this a lot, but kind of into our day-to-day and our DNA. So it doesn't matter what department you are. Even if you're the director of photo in at FabFitFun, you're going to constantly be thinking about process in the back of your mind. Is there just a better, faster way for us to do this? Is there a more efficient way for us to do this?
0: What what other aspects uh, have have been significant in your in your ongoing development then within uh, FabFitFun? So
1: so personally, I think a really interesting thing is is really communication, but also a voice of the member, voice of the customer, and listening to our members and people. I will say this is something that was a little bit different at my previous companies because we really were speaking with clients or hearing from our internal clients. We didn't necessarily have a direct contact all the time to our actual members or specific clients. And so what's interesting is Fun is a, a, we have members um, kind of across the globe, but primarily North America, and they will engage with us on a daily basis. We one great thing about Fun is it truly is kind of your best friend in a way where we even have our own community that's Fun where members can go and talk to other members and they can talk directly to us. We, we engage with them every day. That's a very different approach in lots of companies. This isn't social listening. This is actual one-to-one communication, having conversations. And with that, that has been a, a really interesting learning experience for me, but it also just demonstrates the power of communication, not just with your members or clients, but also inside of a company being open to have conversations. And I think that that's been one of my biggest learnings is making sure conversations are to the point, they are very clear, um, and that we're all trying to work to get to the same place together. And if we're not sure if that's the case, we validate that and make sure it is. So I'd say that's one of the biggest shifts we've I've seen.
0: Well, you've certainly been challenged there because you got there September 2019. And uh, obviously from March 2020, things changed dramatically when it comes to being e- able to easily communicate with your coworkers. Obviously had to work hard to enable that communication to, to continue, right? And and especially because you know you weren't six months into the job when all that kicked off.
1: Yes, it was a big shift. Uh but with yeah, but with I think so it's interesting, it's a it's a good call out. As I mentioned before, and I suggest this to many people, the first couple of months was really listening and understanding the DNA of the company and seeing what was happening. As with all companies, and I joked earlier, the only constant is change. There was change at FatFit Fund. Um, and that change included me moving into the role to lead the the brand marketing slash creative and content team. And with that didn't necessarily come a shift in approach, uh, but what it did open up was a bit more communication between several members of the overarching um, company. Now, I will say, though, one great thing is that for any change that comes, I always say change brings opportunity. And with that came some really interesting opportunities for us to to shift our approach and communicate a little bit differently with our internal members and external members, but also things were really going the right direction. And I think I was lucky enough, really, just to help it get to where it needed to be. Um, and I think that that was another piece of that shift was the company was is growing um, with many companies versus some of these other companies um, I worked at previously, which were very established. These are companies that have been around for a hundred years. Um, you know, FabFitFun Fund is is only I think a decade old and still growing. And with that we're constantly going to change and evolve. And I would say that was more of an evolution to our next phase, um, better understanding of what the company most likely needed at the time and still needs as we move forward. And I would not be surprised. I'm sure we'll have continued evolution and see more changes down the road. But that to me is healthy.
0: Reinvention as a result. I mean, we've seen it all, of course, with with social media, which um, I know is a big driver for uh, for FabFitFun. And uh, well, by all accounts, we're going to see it again as uh, people start donning Headsets, headsets yes, the metaverse. Strapping brick, bricks to their faces. and the, <laughs> Who knows? I'm sure you guys are all, are all testing that out to see you know, what or how or if that's going to impact you, right?
1: The metaverse, NFTs, Ethereum, uh, it is, it's all out there. And I think we're seeing companies that traditionally wouldn't lean into those spaces now exploring those spaces. Uh, I, randomly, I was talking to someone about this last night about metaverse and, and that VR space. And recalling the good old days of Second Life, uh, and the experiments and failures uh, that businesses and success, some successes had trying to move into that virtual space. I think all of this is going to be very interesting. I think again, as you as we talk about growth and education and knowledge, this this is a space where it really pays to be inert and really interested in this sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, really true. dig into these things because for better or for worse. Uh, over time, as we moved into this technology-based age, the fastest shifts still continue to be technology, and that all is a different place that a lot of people look into. And with that technology shift, it can be difficult to maintain knowledge and keep up while, especially as a creative, you're trying to follow design trends and design knowledge, Um, but they are absolutely hand-in-hand and are going to create incredible shifts in how we experience brands and how we experience even each other which can be frightening however if you dig into it and have the knowledge and help craft your own path that makes it more enticing
0: so just one one more thing jr the uh the question i always like to ask is whether or not your 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 company is mandated to use the creative and content team when it comes to design work and when it comes to creative work
1: Uh, Fantastic question. Fantastic question. And I've experienced this in both realms. So I've definitely been in businesses where, yes, an absolute mandate to help manage that and where we've had to use internal resources. And that that is all you can do. Faffy Fund is not like that. We can team and partner with any agency we want to. And anyone in our company could reach out and work with any agency and finish that they want to. What's fascinating, though, is that that ask only comes if we as a creative team are unable to supply with them whatever niche ask they have. If you have a team that does have to have that mandate, it's always good to figure out why. What is driving that mandate? Is that a team restriction that's based off the team itself, either in terms of what it can output or the headcount it has or timing? Or is that something because there are just individuals in the company who aren't aware of the skill sets and ability that internal team has?
0: Well, I could ask you so much more, JR, but thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we learned about process, uh, always looking for a better, faster way. We learned about the benefits of not being mandated, which uh, which is interesting to me because I hear both sides of that argument quite a lot. And I just really want to thank you so much for, for joining us.
1: Uh, no, thank you. the pleasure is mine. Thank you again so much for having me. It's been wonderful to reconnect after all this time um, and so so much of a joy to be on this. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, it's an honour having you on board. And I I also want to thank Emily Foster of our esteemed partners I have and my producer Amy McNamara for making all these things happen And, and Prenner and the team at EKCS for handling the podcast editing so elegantly. Now, if this is your first episode of Inside Jobs, could you believe that's even possible, JR, that people haven't heard this podcast before? Then a very warm welcome. Uh, and uh, you are somewhat late to the party, though. I think we're midway through the 30s now with the episodes. And you can go to ijpodcast.com. You can find the full back catalogue there, uh, including the most popular episode of last year, which uh, which we announced to be um, Harriet Tolpert from the IMF, who, like you, also travelled all over the world uh jr as well and, uh, and 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 drew upon those experiences and does continue to do so at the imf which you can imagine is a very eclectic range of clients as well uh, literally every country so anyway you can also go to ijpodcast.com and subscribe to our newsletter uh and also while you're there just look me up and say hi on linkedin uh, till next time